Welcome to the Rockonomics Podcast, episode number 17. My guest today is Jesse Clausen, who's one half of the electro-indie-pop duo Foreign Air, who literally burst onto the scene in late 2015 with the release of their debut single, Free Animal, which racked up envy-inducing numbers on SoundCloud and Spotify to garner them a slew of industry attention. Since then, they've continued to release dark, infectious compositions while racking up tour dates with Fantagram, Borns, and the Ex-Ambassadors. I caught up with Jesse the day before he was leaving for New York to continue harnessing the band's upward trajectory as I look forward to 2018. And this was our conversation. I think you are a perfect example of, you know, bucking tradition, at least tradition what I grew up in. It's probably more of your era, but you seem to be either creating or following the current blueprint that works to find, you know, success for, I guess, for lack of a better, better yeah. description. Um, you guys are truly indie at this point, right? You're releasing everything on your own. Yep. Um, you know, you're kind of harnessing all the tools available to you, social media, you know, SoundCloud. Um, you do strategically use PR, right? Correct. And, and booking, right? Yep. Um, and then finally, like uh, recording, you do a lot of recording on your own. I know you guys go to studios. Well, I'd love to get into that a little yeah. later. But so let's go right to the um, your breakthrough was pretty much you know right out right out of the gate was um, the free animal. Yeah. So how did that how did that come about? So Jake and I um, have been friends for a long time. We actually met here in North Carolina playing a venue called Tremont, which yep. recently got. Uh, I, I never got to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I grew up, you know, going there and seeing shows there. Even though I lived in Raleigh, I would travel. Um, moved here after college in 2008 and played a show at Tremont um, with a band that Jake was in. We just kind of became friends. Um, you know, in the music business, when you make friends that you think are good people and, you know, you identify with them in terms of music. Mm -hmm. Um, those relationships last a long time. And so you help each other out over the years, you know, you sleep on each other's couches when your band's coming through in the van, you know, you try to get on shows and help each other out, you know, mm -hmm. it's very much like a community. And at some point as the years went on by, I think it was like 10 years later, um, we were both in a place where. I was working on a lot of music on my own in my room and sort of sending it to Jake um, as it would come out and see what he thought about them. And then one day he was like, why don't I come up to you and see what happens and just kind of fool around. Um, was he your only sounding board at that point? Or were you yeah, kind of sending it to a couple of different folks? Or It was pretty much just him. Right. Okay. Um, and so he came by and... I remember picking him up from the airport. He lives in D.C. And I had the free animal melody kind of rolling in my head. I, it's rolling in my head right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so I recorded that on my iPhone as a voice note, so showed funny. it to him on my porch, and we started working on that song. Um, it didn't take very long. It's just like that beat and that bass line. Uh -huh. And um, we, didn't, we didn't have a name. We weren't thinking about anything. We just wanted to make music. And so we kept making, kept writing. He sent the song to a friend of his um, that was living in New York. And they showed it to Billboard. And then Billboard was like, can we premiere this on Monday? And I think it was like Saturday night. 
And we were like, I guess we got to let this song go. You, know, you <laughs> want to work on songs did, forever. Did, did you come up with a name at that point where you're like, okay, we got to commit? <laughs> yeah, so we, we had to come up with a name. And then they wanted, you know, uh, Facebook links and all the stuff that we didn't have. So we had to create all of that in like a day. Um, but it was good. I mean, it did great for us. That song still um, reaches so many people. Right. You know, we get so many messages about it. We still get. Uh, licensing requests for that song for videos and TV. It's kind of carried this project. Yeah, it's so funny. Far. Well, it's it's funny because I knew that, um, you know, Jacob mentioned, he said, you know, that whole song, once it hit SoundCloud, it was it just the ball got rolling. And I had found the billboard right up. So I was like, how the hell did they get such a great, you know, PR right at the, you know, right off the get-go? Yeah. Um, so your SoundCloud, um, was that something you guys already had up at the time or, you know, once is that coupled with the billboard PR and then you put it on SoundCloud and then people find it right away and it kind of gets, you know, yeah. So it was coupled with billboard. It was before it hit Spotify, um, and iTunes. So we had created a SoundCloud with private links to send around, um, and just to kind of gauge reactions, which is a good thing to do because you can see how many people or how, or what songs have the most listens. So if you send maybe a batch of three or four songs out to friends or other musicians or people in the industry, you know, they're private so no one can find them, but you can see what people are connecting with that you send it to if a song has like a bunch more listens. Um, So we've kind of done that. And so with the Billboard situation, it, it was still very much a gauging thing where it's like they wanted to push out this new band, you know, and help us out. And they post the SoundCloud link and then you see what comes of it. Right. Um, try to get some sort of like internet buzz. And so that happened. The numbers were crazy as the hours went on, (laughs) which I was like, what is happening? That's gotta be great. Yeah. It was crazy. I didn't even believe it. (laughs) And then, uh, Everyone came out of the woodwork. Everyone heard that song and went to Spotify, got on Spotify charts. Um, it was pretty incredible. Now, what's the next? Did did also, did other people come out of the woodwork that were like, we got to get a piece of you or what's next or what let us do this for you? I'm sure there's a lot of, you, you got to be apprehensive of a lot of it. But what, you know, what did come out of the woodwork in terms of like industry stuff? Um, it was a lot. It was almost... Pretty much every major label, um, a couple indie labels and a lot of publishers. And we met, you know, we're sort of courted by all of them with dinners over months, um, which was interesting for us because we were so new. Like, right. we hadn't even played shows yet. Right. And you guys are t- still kind of apart. He's he's living in Maryland at the time, or around D.C. Yeah, D.C. Okay. So are you guys flying to these yeah. dinners? <laughs> yeah, so we would fly to Los Angeles and oh just gosh. hang out for a couple of weeks, get an Airbnb, go to a bunch of dinners, um, and make music, what set up b- studios, and just keep working. Now, at that time, when you say set up studios, were you working? I, I know you guys kind of have, uh, or I'm assuming you had relationships in different parts of the country that you're working in studios, but were you... Were those relationships? Were you beginning those relationships? Or were you paying just for u- using studios? Or um, We would just bring our own equipment and okay. set it up in the Airbnb. Um, and then through those first sort of trips to Los Angeles, we met a lot of publishers and some, you know, that are good people. I mean, there's a lot of good people out there that want to help you out. And right. they, they also would set up uh, writing sessions 
um, which could be very interesting. Sometimes they're weird. You know, it's kind of like a blind date. Right. Just totally. meet with someone at their studio or their home studio and talk about music and see what happens. Did that, did that bear any fruit? Um, yes, we ended up working with uh, this guy, Frederick, who lives in Los Angeles now. He's from Denmark. Um, I think he's probably the best in terms of That seems the part of the world that has the corner on uh, new music or writing music. (laughs) Scandinavia, for sure. And it worked out really well. You know, it's kind of like you look for those people where you can finish sentences, you know, musically, where it's like you're on the same page. Mm -hmm. You have an idea and then it's already happening, you know. On the flip side of that, did you have a couple of, uh, I guess, stinkers that, you know, just kind of didn't gel? Um, there was, there's been some, yeah, where you're just like, the thing is, I, I'd imagine it's the same for Nashville and Los Angeles. People that work for publishers that just write constantly, right? they're so good at writing quick and, and probably feeling the vibe, whether good or bad, how to, they have the experience to adapt to whatever situation they're put in. Yeah. Right. And so there were some where we're working and it's like a song is made in literally like two minutes (laughs) and you're like, you want to ring it back. You're like, no, like this sounds great, but it sounds exactly like this other band, like, you know? Right. And it's because they're so good at it. They have a singer come in or something and they're like, they need a song to sound like black keys. And then you have it in two minutes and you're like, but that's not us. That's not what we want. You know? Um, that's the most difficult thing is really, you got to take your time and figure out how to communicate and, bring things back you know mm-hmm. now was that all happening in 2015 or 2016 Ooh, that was let me see let me see if i can tell you it's gotta be 2016 okay I so think still relatively i mean that's a year free animal was the very end of 2015 i believe okay so what becomes the next big step out of out of this you know the hype and you know going to la new york it's saying, sort of, uh, saying no to all the labels. Yeah. I mean, basically, um, we definitely try to hold on to as much as we can, you know, and I think we've done well so far in sort of building it and trying to keep the rights to the music. Mm-hmm. Um, now that retailers are basically digital and you can do it yourself. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is making sure we are in control and, you know, the money that does come in, we, we see it and mm-hmm. it's not a label that's taking it and we're taking their word for it that, yeah. that they're deducting whatever and going to send it to us at some point, right? which I've experienced in the past well, with other th- bands. Th- I was going to say, how did you, I mean, did anybody advise you on that or you, as you're saying, based on experience, you kind of, kind of know where that was heading or how it works? Um, I think... With with Free Animal being the first song that did so well and, um, you know, it opening all these opportunities, we got to sort of see how it worked really quickly, um, which is different for different genres. Like the previous bands I was in, um, a lot of the people we talked to would say, you know, don't even worry about publishing. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is after this type of music for um, television or... right commercials or uh internet spots and that's where a lot of money is now yeah it seems like that's the new model for sure and the labels know that you know so they Mm want to 
take that as well. And your merch and your touring. It's called a like three sixty yeah. deal. Yep. And so it's difficult because everyone want like you want a team mm-hmm. of people to help make the thing big, you sure. know, but you also struggle because you're like you want the control and I I imagine it's similar to building a business, you know. Yeah. Well it seems like a lot of I mean, there's so much DIY going on out there successfully but there comes a point where and i have limited experience but like booking shows that's fucking time consuming like very time consuming and i'm sure once you do it once or twice it's like fuck this yeah (laughs) for sure um and there's gotta be other aspects i mean even pr too like reaching out to you know whatever industry pub or blah 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 it's just it's it's hours and hours of work that you know you're an artist you want to be creating art not Sell, you want, you want to sell your art, but you don't want to be, you know, the guy shilling it, yeah. you know, for lack of a better ex- expression. I think that's what's so good about my relationship with Jake is that we're two circles that meet in the middle on music. And then he has a lot of knowledge about the music industry and business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like my other side is way more in production and sort of getting lost in the studio. Because that's how our relationship started, you know, was him reaching out and me being in my room, Mm -hmm. you know. I would like, I'd probably say if it weren't for Jake, I don't know if I would be putting out music. (laughs) Still be in your room. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I just want to touch upon a little bit upon uh, Spotify, because I know that's a tool that breaks people um, in a good way. Not their back, but, um, you know, I know you guys have, uh, like, um, in the shadows at 8 million, 8.6 million, um, you know, listens or users, whatever it may be, but getting on their playlist is a huge thing. And how, how does that work? Was that just luck or was that kind of a strategic, you know, kind of in the know somehow? Yeah. I think with free animal getting, uh, its attention, it sort of put us in the minds of the people that playlist at Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't met any people at Spotify. I know it's sort of like the, they're like the new gatekeepers in a way. Right. Um, cause if you can get on the playlists, it's sort of like, it's a big push to help you. It's big exposure. Yeah. yeah. And there's also some money in that. Um, but it definitely comes down to relationships. Like, you know, I think everyone in the industry knows each other Mm -hmm. and that's the part where it's like, how do we navigate through what relationships we're building? You know, what we, what we stick with. Um, and I think I would say our manager at the time had a lot to do with making sure Spotify knew we were going to put a song out, Mm -hmm. you know, and making sure we put it out before, uh, new music Friday and that they know if they want to put it on there, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of relationship stuff. Okay. I mean, it's interesting. I know there's an article recently. I I didn't get all the way through it, but it was saying how, um, you know, the record companies, that's a big political thing where they're kind of lobbying and jockeying for you know artists to get on playlists and it's like i said it's, it's such great exposure i know it's such great exposure for us here at the office we you know we do it all the time yeah 
Um, so your your latest release, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it. Is it uh, Chakra Demon? So I think you can say demon, okay, and you can also say daemon, okay, which How? is male or daemon. You're familiar with the male or daemon? No. So if you send an email out and the address is wrong or something, or the email no longer oh, exists, yes. you get an email back from the male or daemon. <laughs> I love that. So that's your latest release. Yeah. Single wise, anyways. Um, what was different about? Did you approach that differently at all, or you know, kind of putting it out to the world? Um, no, I think it was the exact same. Just with a PR agency um, out of New York, we've worked with basically from the beginning. Um, this girl Nancy. Is and, she at uh, Fancy? Yep. Okay. And uh, she's done a great job in terms of. Uh, getting us opportunities and sort of putting the music in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. So was she instrumental in getting, I noticed, a couple of um, nice pieces on you, a Huffington Post piece, which seemed really nice, Um, and Complex, or uh, Division of Complex, had 20 artists about to blow up via social media. And you were one of them. I, I couldn't find that article, but I was interested to see what they had to say. Cause that's my point is I feel like these are tools you guys are using, you know, to the best of how they work for this current, this current age. Yeah. Um, what about getting into, I noticed like, uh, what, for what radio is now, like you guys were on Sirius alt nation, um, KCRW, which is, that's a huge influential station. Um, and this isn't necessarily radio, but just like uh, the Red Bull Sound Select, you were part of their that promotion. Yeah, is that stuff? Is that is that your PR girl at work, or is that no? That all that stuff is is very similar to Spotify, where it's like relationships, and um, I think the people with Alt Nation and Sirius Radio are just looking for new music. Okay, um, and they really sort of like the project and and want to help out in any way possible um so they've been playing it on their i think it's sunday's uh advanced placement where they just give it a bunch of spins and mm-hmm. see how it goes um kcrw i'm i imagine it's just uh they probably play whatever they, they like. They still want to be tastemakers, yeah. which I mean, yeah, I don't mean to diminish station. them. They are a great station. Yeah. Just uh, you know, the world's been changing. What what song was were they were they getting a hold of many of your songs, or was it this in something in particular? Um, yeah, I think KCRW has played. Um, I think it's Free Animal or In the Shadows, and then. Um, I think Sirius was playing or is playing Lying, so the one right before Chakra. Okay. And Chakra definitely has sort of a more lo-fi vibe mm-hmm. than something you would think that would be on the radio. So I think that's probably why KCRW is leaning more towards that song. Okay. When did that um when did that drop Chakra? That was November like the last week in November this year. It's like yeah, right okay. before this uh, quick sort of week and a half tour run we did. Okay. Um, and you mentioned earlier about uh, placement. You know, being in either a commercial or a movie. What What are some of the placements you've gotten? Oh, we got Shameless. Um, 
That's Scream. Funny. You're my second <laughs> guest who's on Shameless. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless, Scream, um, this EMBC show called The Arrangement. We were did the music for the trailer okay. for that. That's cool. Um, lately, there's been a sort of like a lot of people coming out looking for free animal that are like extreme sports <laughs> ever since we got some, we got like a big, I think it was REI snowboarding oh, yeah. uh, trailer that looked amazing. And then since then all these other like snowboarder yeah. fly fishing, we just had a fly fishing, one, which is interesting. <laughs> I was just in Alaska fly fishing, which was so funny. So I'm like in Alaska for two weeks, singing your like, song in your head, yeah, just hanging out. <laughs> And then I get this email. I'm like sitting by this fire in the middle of nowhere. And it's like fly fishing nation. Like we want to use your song. What (laughs) is the chances of this? And are some of these, uh, again, is this through your publishing arm or your PR or are they they just finding you like, um, a lot of it comes out of, I think the, the, uh, what do you, you call them curators for these programs are looking at, Spotify and trying to find new music for one, because it's, uh, less expensive, Mm -hmm. you know, they can't be getting top 40 artists. Cause like, I mean, I heard on a podcast recently about that movie Tusk. Have you heard of that movie? Um, was that a documentary? No, it's, it's a very weird movie. Oh, 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 I think I know. I think I know. Kind of like a horror movie or something. Yep. Yep. And they really wanted, um, this certain song for it and it cost them $200,000 just to put it in the movie. And it was like a third of the budget for that movie. And it's probably on for what? 10 seconds. (laughs) Yeah. And they were not allowed to use it, but once. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so I think a lot of TV people are looking for new and upcoming bands that can sort of like help. Mm -hmm. Um, and the money helps and also the exposure helps. Um, so a lot of it comes out of those people just, scouring Spotify I think and finding what's what they think is going to do well and what fits you know the moment in whatever piece it is right um so a lot of that comes straight to our gmail um and then and we do work with a company out of Los Angeles um that helps and puts us on samplers Mm -hmm. and they send them out to you know the the curators to listen to um and I think that's a big thing too with that company, the people that are getting those samplers know that it will be easy to approve those yeah. deals. Yeah. Cause if you have, you know, a lot of the major labels and people on major publishers, there's a lot of people's hands in the pot, mm-hmm. you know, and some songs probably have five writers on them. Yeah. And then, so you got five different publishers on them and to get something approved is very difficult. Yeah. But when you own all of it, you know, a hundred percent, it's way easier and they're way more likely to go, f- go for your song because they know it'll be a done deal quickly right. and it won't be a headache. Well, that's, I mean, that's interesting cause I'm going to be talking to a curator. Um, I mentioned before the show when I go to New York, so that's, I definitely need to kind of take that path of how they, uh, find stuff. And even my background in advertising, I know we used to get, like you said, samplers all the time, but they were a lot of times from the major labels or at least, the up and coming bands, you know, from the major labels. So they were to your point, a little bit more affordable, Yeah, but that's cool. I mean, that's exciting stuff. You know, again, it's a great way to get exposure. Yeah. And it's kept us afloat. You know, that's cause we're 
such a new band. Um, you know, we're not like going out on tour and like selling out huge places. You know, this is the beginning. Um, we just did a week and a half tour, you know, and pre-sales are like a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, in small rooms, it's, it's good and intimate and a, and a lot of fun. But that aspect of the band is costs a lot of money touring. Right. Um, especially at the stage, cause we're trying to sort of build that relationship with the people that have been listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it weren't for a lot of this licensing money, it would be very difficult to, to go out and do that and, you know, pay for the van rental and right. pay our rent. <laughs> well, let's, um, yeah, let's get into that. Cause that was, that's actually next on my list. Um, the whole, you know, the booking aspect and also, I was going to ask you about, and I couldn't tell just from videos and stuff what I can find was, but you guys play live as a four piece, right? Yeah. So you're essentially, you have two employees. Yeah. Right. Is that true? Yes. (laughs) So that's some of the expense, I guess, is, you know, what you're alluding to. And they're, you know, our friends. Okay. um, Lee Lee and Matt. Okay. Yeah. Are Lee and Matt been with it the whole live experience or... Do you guys have a couple of, you know, have a team that kind of rotates? Um, Lee has been um, on guitar, and I played with him in uh, my previous band, so I've known him for a very long time, and he's known Jake just as long as well. Okay. Um, And then Matt, it's been, I want to say, like a a year now Mm -hmm. with him on drums, um, and he's a good friend as well. So... Yeah, it's like friends and employees at the same time. Yeah, that's cool. And you got to treat them right. Um, so, guitar and drums are they double time with anything else? Keyboards or you know, uh, computers um, or? <laughs> yeah, drumming is is getting so crazy now because everyone has these you know samplers. Right. And you got to load all these sounds on there. Um, well, just hearing your music, I, I I have a little bit of a background in drums, but hearing your music, I'm kind of like, holy shit. I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, <laughs> we tr- we try to tackle it in in a way that is fun to watch, where it's not all right electronic on a drum pad, but incorporate the live drums as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Which changes the sound a little bit, but I think it definitely enhances the experience. Yeah, I think my personal opinion. It, I mean, your your sound, I think, must be awesome live. I can't wait to to see you guys live once you Thanks. you know come through town once again. Yeah. But I can tell. It's going to have an energy and, uh, I guess, a um, more tangible, you know, instrumentation live, yeah. you know, so. There's a lot of cables everywhere. <laughs> we try to do as much as we can, you know, uh-huh. a lot of gadgets. I read somewhere, too, where you guys toying with um, kind of lighting rigs or yeah. trying to design a, you know, kind of a light show for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's crazy with the Ableton program is you can program your light show with MIDI notes. Okay. That's just synced up with your set. Oh, that's cool. We were trying to do it over Wi-Fi. <laughs> At one show, uh, was it the first show? So we bought a router and I couldn't get it to work. It like wasn't assigning. I mean, I don't, whoever's listening to this probably might not know what this means, but it was not assigning my computer an IP address when it didn't have internet. And so I couldn't connect to the lighting computer. And so we ran it off my phone. Like turn the hotspot like on, hot on my so iPhone. Well, I'm surprised. Works. Don't the venues now have uh, you know free Wi-Fi? Yeah, the problem with that is what scared me is everyone's probably connected to it 
<laughs> and I don't, super slow. Yeah, or you get kicked off or something. <laughs> um, well, I noticed she had some a uh, couple of cool shows in in New York. Um, one was at the Bowery Ballroom. Yeah. Now was that really early? Yeah, that was our first. I want to say that was our first show. Was Bowery Ballroom. Um, but then you did. Did you do a record release party at Mercury Mercury Lounge? Yep. Okay. We played Mercury. I think we played Bowery twice. We did Mercury, and we just recently played uh, like pop. pop oh, I shop saw that. I didn't at a weird venue on that. Yeah, it was new. I've been gone a couple of years, so I've I lost track of what yeah. the venues are. It was very confusing. It was a really cool spot, though. <laughs> um, it was like under a hotel, and it was huge. Was it in the city, or was it in Brooklyn, or in the city? Okay. I couldn't tell you much more than that. All right, I'll to, I'm heading there soon. I'll have to check it out. Um, but how did you like? How did you book the Bowery Show? I mean, that's a great venue. And so that was early on. So we were sort of talking to different booking agents at that time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you're in that position with publishers, booking agents, labels, you kind of like want to see how the relationship would be. Right. So you know, they want to show what they can do for you. Fantastic. And so with publishers, it's like, we'll set you up these, put you in these studios, you know, no strings attached with these writers as well. Um, and with booking agents, it's the same. It's like, I want to book your band. Do you here's want, a, here's do you a want taste. these shows? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. And so we got on, I want to say it was with Han, mm-hmm. if that's how you say it. Yeah. You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. I mispronounce everything. Um, and we ended up uh, going with Windish, which took over, I guess, merged with Paradigm. Right. Yeah, I saw Paradigm in the emails. And they've been great. They've gotten us on a lot of shows. Um, we've done stuff with Fanagram, um, Borns. <laughs> that's yeah, not, that's another, that's so funny. That's another name I had written down, but they've got that O with the slash. I'm yeah. like, how the hell did I pronounce pronounces? Yeah. Um, I need to do that with my last name because <laughs> no one knows how to say my last name. How and do I you think say if it? I trick them with some weird thing, they'll like act, they'll say something. it weird, <laughs> which will be the proper way to say it, which is Clausen. Okay, that's that's what I was Everyone's guessing. But like I would expect a Clayson. U in it. Yeah, or two um, S's. Yeah, you just I, you just touched upon something I had written down. So you played the Firefly Music Fest, the Hangout Music Fest, Shaking Knees Music Fest. I think a couple more. So that's all. That was all good booking agency doing yeah. doing a good job yeah and they book i imagine the majority of the bands okay on so those festivals okay so certain 70 percent. okay so certain booking agencies have that relationship with the festival yeah okay and so it's sort of like a leverage thing probably where it's like we're giving you these big headliners but right. we want these new bands to have spots how were those were those good good They're, time yeah great time <laughs> i've never done that before um it's cool to hang out, you know, with other bands that you know and right. meeting new bands. Um, and there's just so many people exposed to your music. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Do you get to meet? There, have you met certain heroes yet? Or, you know, maybe that's a strong word, but, you know, folks you've always admired or artists you've, you've admired? Um, I have met some. I think... What's interesting in life to me is I always feel like when I reach a certain place, it's like beyond when I would have felt 
a certain like starstruck right. way, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt, I think it was the same way with my first band when, you know, you're growing up, you're like 13, 14, 15 making music and you're like, I just want to be on this label. Like if I could <laughs> be on this label, it, you know, that's it for me, Yeah, you know, and then years go by and like finally you're on that label and you're like, I really just want to be doing this now or like, I don't even like these types of bands anymore. I want to be on this label. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Um, I guess it just depends on where your head's at. Right. Um, I also noticed you have a, uh, a European booking agency. Do we? Yeah. Well, it's on your website. It says booking, it says booking North America paradigm. Mm -hmm. And then it says Europe Coda, I think. Yeah. Do you guys have plans? In association with with Windish, I think. Is that part of the master plan? Hopefully. I don't, I I don't know anything right now about it. Okay. How about in terms of, I I guess this goes back to Spotify, but Spotify, you get that year end review and you guys have 61 countries, you know, two point, you know, 2 million fans. So, there is an audience out there, obviously. Um, For sure. And knowing your music, it seems like it would play really well. I mean, really well across the globe, yeah. most likely. So, I'd um, love to. Hopefully, um, that'll be an opportunity that'll arise when we put out a full-length record. And cue that. When is uh, one of the, what are the plans for 2018? So, 2018 definitely a full-length. Uh, we've been working on music for so long. Um, it's all there. It's just this sort of debate of, of whether we do it on our own mm-hmm. or try to find a partner to help push, you know, push the ball right. up the hill yep. um, higher than we can ourselves. So that's sort of the thing that we've got to evaluate come January 1st. It's how we're going to do that. <laughs> So let's circle back just, you know, when you did have these labels courting you at the time, did you guys essentially say, not now, maybe down the road or, you know, let's see, let's see how things shape up in the next 12 months or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think on probably both ends, it's like, it was so early on for us, you know, with like one or two songs out. I think, I think we only had Free Animal out. And we were about to have In the Shadows come out Mm -hmm. when we were taking a lot of those meetings. So In the Shadows was the song that we were sort of showing um, everyone. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like so much was up in the air with the project. Because it's like we haven't played any live shows, um, which means we have no... No one knows what the fan base really is. It's just all like potential and so I think on both sides, there's like a lot of hesitation where it's like, what? Okay. We don't have a full length record done. We have like a lot of songs, um, which I guess is what makes it difficult with having free animal come out so early. Mm-hmm. But had we awaited, it might not have gotten the response, you know, which is another strange thing about music is like w- the right time. Sure. Can do a lot for a song regardless of the song. Mm hmm is pretty uh interesting and out of your control sort of um but we have definitely dragged our feet a lot with all the offers right I mean, we didn't take any offer publishing or label oh no didn't publish i thought maybe publishing you did no no um 
not to again jump back, but you mentioned something I wanted to follow up on the the publishing when they're putting you together with another songwriter. Is that just a pro bono thing? Like if you get a song and, it, and you sell it down the road, there's money in it, but there's no you know it's not here's fifty bucks to sit with this guy you know yeah. for eight hours. No, it's all pretty much unpaid. <laughs> okay, um, hoping that something comes and you know you can decide if you want to write just a song and just have fun with it or uh, if you want to write a song for yourself with someone um and you never know what's going to happen right. with it sometimes it goes nowhere um i think one song out of a lot of those writing sessions will probably make it on the record okay of the the new record yeah okay 2018 um Let's talk a little bit about your your process, I guess. Uh, when I say that, I know uh, – I wish – if I get to get a sponsor, I should be – this this particular episode should be sponsored by Dropbox. Yeah. Because I see that – I saw that name in so much of your yeah. interviews and stuff. But um, you and Jacob were pretty much uh, Dropbox artists yeah. sharing stuff back and forth. For sure. Still do. Um, and you guys – have a good it sounds like it's described as a good yin and yang like sure. you you kind of want these long developing tunes and jake wants more of a you know foot stomping repetitive melody yeah. is there that's does that ever end in conflict <laughs> i guess for i mean it sounds Some, like a, it sounds yeah. like a good way but is there you know i guess in every creative dynamic yeah. when there's shared point of view um yeah. You know, it sounds must be something that works ninety percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely you know conflict, and I think it's good, you know, to have it to sort of push yourself mm-hmm. and get the best song. Right. Um, I guess and, that's inherent with anything yeah. good creatively. Yeah, and it's not you know that I only am into this certain type of music. Either I love pop music, um, and you know, Jake is very sort of well-rounded with his musical taste as well. Um, but I definitely think he's, he can see sort of like this niche mm-hmm. that foreign air has and that we shouldn't, uh, stray too far from, from that, you know, and mm-hmm. sort of seeing that, um, which I think is good, you know, and it's, it's done great for us, our sort of dynamic in that way. And putting the songs together, um, you take you'll take them to a, a studio and put some, you know, acoustic instruments against certain things to see how they work. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Is that correct? Yeah. And are you guys using? I think we mentioned this earlier, but you're using either friends you know or different studios. How, how does that work, or what's you know, kind of what's behind that? So the majority of it is in the computer. Um, birthed out of my bedroom um, and Jake's bedroom. And when we meet together, we normally work um, at my house because I don't live in a, in a city. <laughs> I have more room to house people. Um, and it definitely changes from song to song, just like creating a song. You know, it's like, how does this song start? Does it start with a beat or a melody or a lyric? You know, it, it changes and we're open to anything. So, Sometimes songs are birthed, you know, in the bedroom. That mm-hmm. sounds funny. They're birthed in the bedroom and then just go to mix. 
and they're done. Sometimes you struggle with songs for months and take them, you know, we'll take a hard drive to Los Angeles, go into a studio and figure out what's wrong with the bridge, you know, mm -hmm. um, or maybe just changing the tempo or something. It's it's a journey. Every song is a is a different animal, you know. Right. To how do tame. you how do you come to like when you say you're in a studio in L.A. Are you always do you always have everything? I mean, everything you have is probably sitting on a hard drive. So when you get the opportunity, you just seize the opportunity to to work on something. When you get you know studio time or get, get to work with somebody, it's definitely planned out. You know, it's you sort of make a list of the songs that need that kind of work and um, how much it's going to cost to go to Los Angeles. Um, and you sort of prioritize. And it's easy because it's all digital. So you just bring your... You don't really need to bring anything, right? to be honest. <laughs> Everyone has their... like. It's all on Dropbox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this episode sponsored by Dropbox. <laughs> Um, how did you come to work with Phil, Phil Eck? Is it Phil Eck? That's yeah, Phil name. Eck. E-K, I guess there's only so many ways you can yeah. say that. <laughs> that makes me think of like a cartoon for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Eck. Um, and he just mixed with, he was mixing something. For yeah. Guys. So he mixed and we actually went and sat in the studio and watched him do his thing, which was, I've never been in a room with the mixing engineer. So that was cool. Um, and that was very organic. It was a friend of ours sent the music to him and he liked it and said he would be down to work on it. So we made that plan and went out to Seattle for a little over a week. Okay. And mixed four songs. And those will be to be released or were those something? Yeah. So okay. that, um, when was this? That was lying in chakra. Actually he mixed. Okay. And, um, the other two will be on the album. Okay. Um, it was funny to look up his, what he's known for. I mean, some really great stuff. Yeah, but one, one, thing, one thing I seized upon was he did uh, comedian David Cross's album. Oh, I yeah. If, I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's, it's, yeah. it's good stuff. I like David Cross. <laughs> I didn't know that. should ask him about it. Um, so what, um, so album in the new year, tour, in the new year. Yep. You're, I'm saying Europe in the new year. Japan, yeah. Australia. Do it. Put it out. Put it out there. Summer festivals. Yep. Summer festivals. Um, am I missing anything? Anything on the, you know, in the plans? Um, hopefully some cool collaborations. You know, we've met a lot of people. Um, we just did some shows with Bishop Briggs. If you haven't heard her, you got to check her out. Check her out. Write She's incredible. Um, will you guys ever work independent with one another? Say that again. Independent with with, with, with you and another? Jacob. Would you get? Would you take a gig for like a songwriting session without Jacob? With oh yeah, with definitely. Bishop Briggs. <laughs> oh, like no, no, and no. It not before an air. Yeah, or, yeah. I, I guess a bigger question could be maybe in in, in the long view, um, do you see yourself being more of a producer? You know, in your in your old age. <laughs> um, and for those listening, it, this is a young man sitting across <laughs> from me. 
I mean, I think everything, there's a place for everything now, you know? Um, I see in my future foreign air continuing to do what it's doing and, and see how it grows. Mm-hmm. Also, I have other uh, projects that I've been working on for the past 10 years that hopefully will come to light mm-hmm. somehow. Um, and I love, I love producing music. I've, I've done a lot of commercial work as well to sort of subsidize some income. Like jingles for lack of a better description? Not jingles, but instrumental music for like tech videos. Okay. Um, so I do a lot of work for Red Hat, um, which is a tech company based in Raleigh. And uh, I know some directors, so I've done some sort of short documentary work. Um, so that takes up a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't leave a lot of time for producing other people's music or right. even searching that out. Um, but I do think that in the long run, that would be more rewarding for me than tech videos. Right. So I'd say yes moving that direction would be better. Okay. But sometimes that stuff is like the money's not immediate. So when, you know, it's like, I got to pay rent. So right. Right. If I can get this tech video, it's like there's a set budget or this documentary. That would be cool too, is expanding on that and eventually doing completely a hundred percent artistic work. Right. For, short films or even film. Yeah. Now I've, I've talked to a couple of people that have mentioned, you know, I guess, and, and that's the thing again, when you, you know, your career furthers on and you, you have peaks and valleys, but there comes a point, I think where you, unfortunately you get to a certain age where it's like, I need steady work and it is like soundtrack work, you yeah. know, pays bills for a lot of these, you know, I guess eighties, eighties or nineties, you know, musicians who are a little bit past their yeah. heyday. That's what's good about Spotify. It, even though, I mean, there's so many arguments about Spotify and bands that have taken stands against it and taken their music off. It brings in money. Right. It's not a, it's not a lot of money, but it is money, you know, that you can count on if people are listening, which is good and much better than, you know, whatever was a couple of years ago yeah. when it was like LimeWire and <laughs> oh, gosh. you just... <laughs> Everything was free for a long time. Um, are you seeing a check monthly for that, or how you pay, how you you don't have to get into numbers? But I'm just curious to like the I think the structure of it. I want to say that it's quarterly, okay. similar to sense. like BMI or ASCAP, mm-hmm. um, and it's the rate is something crazy, like point zero 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 five. They say it fluctuates. I don't know how that. <laughs> it's like the stock market. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you look up what it says they pay, it's between these two numbers. Right. And you're like, well, how does that work? Yeah, well, I think uh, it's going to be some lawyers, I think, in the next couple of years that are going to figure that out for you. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but, I mean, to your point, it is a good, it's not, you know, it's a nothing to sneeze at what you're getting, but it's not to the point where, uh, you know, you're not pulling in a Ferrari. Yeah, to, to this interview, it's, it's not like uh, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> which which uh, you know that's what the industry struggled with a couple yeah. of years ago. They should have like figured out how to do it earlier. <laughs> All right, we. Uh, 
I wind things down with uh, the same five questions that everybody gets. So cool. I'm, I'm giving them to you. Let's do it. Question one. Um, what musical-related possession has the most sentimental value to you? Ooh, um, my piano. Okay. Is that a it's baby grand, a Steinway? So it's an upright player piano. So you have cassettes, and it'll play for you. And I'm pretty sure you can record oh, your cool. own piano, and it will play it back for you as well. Oh, that's neat. So can you and play that? Like, can you use that for recording so you could do two things at once? Like the piano plays and you're I need to figure that out. That's a great idea. <laughs> um, but it was my grandma's, and she's no longer with us. Oh, that's good. And that was sort of the thing that I got. That's great. What was, the first, what, did you, what was your first instrument growing up? Piano. Okay. Was that forced upon you? No, I think my parents saw my interest in it, and... I went. I took lessons for maybe two years when I was like, had it been nine, ten years old, and then I quit. And but look, that, that, that. that gives you. But that, <laughs> I, I'm jealous because that gives you such a great basis for everything else. Yeah, because it's even, so percussive, and I think in music, I mean, everything is percussive. So if you have that, that in you. Um, you can pick up a lot of instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your, what do you do live? What's your, so I know I, you, I know you, you're I play piano and I have a machine is what it's called. It's mm-hmm. sort of like an MPC. So it's like finger drumming. Okay. Um, and, and you can have anything on there, drums, uh, vocal samples, effects. Um, and then I run my voice through a bunch of guitar pedals to do live Effects <laughs> sounds really hard. It's a, it's a lot to do. <laughs> um, okay, question number two is: If I were to give you a million dollars to give to one charity, who gets it? Oh, something with cats. Really? Do you have, uh, do you have cats at home? <laughs> I do. It's my you, roommate's uh, cat, though. I had yeah. a cat growing up um, for like twenty years. Okay. Are you on cats on Instagram? No. Well, actually, <laughs> the cats on of Instagram, Instagram. Uh, my favorite Instagram is uh, Sphinx Lair. <laughs> Check it out. I it's will. all nude cats. And it's called the, <laughs> like the hairless the cats? daily nude. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's funny. I tagged, I tagged them once just to get follows. It worked. I mean, they got like freaking 18 million followers. So yeah. like tag it. Cats of Instagram. Uh, question three is what would your walk-up music be to the pearly gates? Ooh, this is going to sound weird, but traditional Pakistani singers. Okay. Why is that? Any particular memory? Uh, There's something memory so or? spiritual about it to me. Okay. I love that music. So it'll and be... Indian uh, music. It'll be fitting in the context of heaven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question four is what song is stuck on repeat in hell? This stumps, this stumps a couple this, people. Yeah, this is a difficult one. Something... Played very slowly, or <laughs> at the wrong speed. Yeah, like a, a or just in like a, a baby, a baby in a diaper, like fooling with the record. <laughs> okay. And uh, last but not least is uh, what's your best uh, live concert experience? 
probably playing the Fillmore in San Francisco. Oh, cool. What about um, if if I would ask what what's the best concert you've seen? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably in New York um, at a little wine bar. I want to say that might have been the name of it, <laughs> wine bar. I don't know. Um, but it was this uh, band from Canada, Patrick Watson. Just amazing. Okay. He's not a part of any other larger no. group, right? When was that recently? This was probably six or seven years ago. Okay. And where is he? Have you, where is he today? He's still making music. Okay. Um, it's very cinematic. Um, but it was such a cool experience because it was you sat at a table not much different than this table, you know, and would order wine and the band's just playing this little stage and they're all classically trained jazz musicians um, doing their thing. That's cool. Um, we're, we're, we're done with the five questions, but I wanted to ask <laughs> in, in the, the, the same vibe as uh, what were some of the concerts you, you saw as a kid that was like, you know, kind of like, holy shit, this is cool. The first, the very first concert that I ever went to, um, without my parents, I, I was 13, um, and I went with my brother, who's two years older, was the Deftones oh, in, wow. in Raleigh. I, it was <laughs> the place called the Ritz, which yeah. is the Ritz again. They changed it to like Disco Rodeo for some reason. <laughs> what a crazy name to change. Change your name from the Ritz to Disco Rodeo. Yeah, it sounds like you're going to get it. I don't think the Deftones are going to play there anymore. No. It sounds like a dark room with like a mechanical bull. <laughs> and uh, so I I remember that concert. There's smoke everywhere because you can smoke indoors. Back then. And I remember my wallet. I'm like a 13-year-old boy. I remember my wallet smelled like cigars <laughs> and like cigarette smoke for months after that. And uh, the singer like jumped up on the PA and did a backflip into the crowd. Nice. And that band sort of showed me how you can have intense music that still has this sort of like delicate vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like Sade of heavy music. Okay. <laughs> what was, um? did your parents ever take you to a show? It's always interesting to hear. I know a couple guests have, yeah, I talked about their first show. It's like, well, my parents took me to, and it's like, yeah, I think my parents took me to like a radio show. Um, so when a bunch of bands play like three songs, bunch of nineties bands. Yeah. Um, other than that, I would say my mom would take me to the orchestra. Okay, and we actually just went over the holiday and saw Home Alone, the movie played oh, while so, the orchestra oh, played cool. it. It was amazing. That's very cool. A so cameo by. Uh, our president. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh boy. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for doing this. I Thanks know you guys, you me. guys are on the ascent, so good luck with everything. I, I'm sure you're going to have a gigantic 2018 and uh, best of luck to you. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you, Jesse Clausen. Definitely check out the band Foreign Air on Spotify or SoundCloud. 
You can also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. We should be seeing and hearing big things from them in 2018, so they are definitely a band to watch for sure. I'll skip the usual housekeeping details and just wish everyone a good week. If all goes to plan, we'll be releasing my interviews I conducted in New York earlier in the month, starting next week, so please tune in. Until then, good night, Cleveland. Cleveland.